This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's a very wet and windy Thursday, January the 20th. And there's more to start off today on the supply of COVID vaccines to Kent, as one MP from the county demands answers as to why we don't appear to be getting enough. We've reported on a number of delays in the over-80s having the jab in recent weeks, you might remember. Well, Kent also doesn't have a mass vaccination centre, sparking concerns the county is being left out. Thanet's Sir Roger Gale says it's a big problem. I'm very concerned indeed that on the one hand we have large vaccination centres opening which presumably need vaccines, that we've got Downing Street saying that over 70 year olds are now going to start to receive letters inviting them for vaccination, while people working within the National Health Service in hospitals and the over 80s and the over 90s in East Kent, certainly, and I believe throughout Kent, are still waiting for vaccinations. So we're raising expectations, while at the same time, we're not delivering to the people we've already said we will vaccinate. I know you're concerned about the availability of places to get vaccinations. Is that you know something that Kent needs in terms of mass vaccinations? We suggested at one stage that, for example, the county showground ground at Detling might be used. There are other possibilities. There's um, Dreamland in Margate. I haven't asked them whether they'd be available, but that's the sort of site that could be used. But by the same token, they're going to suck in vaccines that the primary care networks need. One primary care worker in my constituency received 1,500 vaccines last week for six practices. Those 1,500 people were vaccinated on one day, Saturday, starting at dawn and finishing at dusk. And the practice were accused of only working one day. They can only work only one day because they've only got vaccines for one day. Um, In Hearn Bay, in my constituency, one of the lead GPs in the area has told me that they're doing very well, but they're running short of vaccine. And he wants to keep his programme on track. And he's getting about, I think, about a thousand vaccines a week, less than he needs to do that. So what's going wrong? We cannot say on the one hand, we want bigger centres to use more vaccine and we want to vaccinate younger people earlier. If By the same token, we're not delivering to the people we ought to be delivering to first. Meantime, health bosses say they're looking at the possibility of opening more vaccination sites in and around Dover as some elderly people face a 28-mile round trip to get a jab. At the moment, only one facility is up and running. That's a Dover Health Centre, which also covers people living in Sandwich, Deal and Warmer. Well, MP Natalie Elphick has been contacted about it and has said conversations are ongoing to try and arrange additional capacity. 
Stats today have revealed another 40 people have died with coronavirus at Kent's hospitals. And the Kent Online podcast has been hearing from the man in charge of Kent's biggest hospital to find out how they're coping during the second wave of the pandemic. Medway Maritime in Gillingham has just under 600 beds and at one point capacity was said to be at 104%. That has come down ever so slightly, but Chief Exec James Devine says is still under extreme pressure. He's been chatting to our reporter, Matt. Jenny Winter, as you know, Matt, is, is very busy uh, in the NHS. We see higher number of admissions uh, during the winter and we see uh, a very different patient profile uh, that we would see. Uh, and that's been true uh, to some degree uh, this year, but of course we've had uh, a high number of, of COVID positive uh, patients presenting uh, to the hospital uh, over certainly over the last sort of couple of months, but it, it's been fairly consistent since around October time. Uh, and if we compare that to admission profiles uh, earlier in the year, uh, or in the spring of last year rather, uh, we see uh, around 100 to 150 more admissions this time uh, than we did in the first wave. So, so, so yes, it's a very uh, busy hospital and has been um, really for, for the last year. And in terms of sort of the occupancy level and, and, and what have you, are you sort of able to sort of say how, I know, I think previously there was a, there was a board meeting that mentioned 104% capacity uh, occupancy. Is, is that, has that gone up, down? Where, where are we at sort of now? So it flexes really uh, from week to week based on the number of beds that we have open at any one time. And of course, during uh, any winter, and certainly this one has been no different, we, we look to try and open as much uh, capacity as we can to a increase the number of beds that we have in the hospital but primarily to keep that flow moving uh, through the emergency department and directly into the into the main bed base uh, so at the moment uh, we're, we're sitting at around 96 97 percent occupancy uh, which sounds better than 104 but uh, no doubt the hospital is, is extremely busy and there are you know, there are very few beds uh, available and is that is that have you been able to to create sort of additional capacities? I know the sort of the, the rough, I know it's around around 500, isn't it? The the sort of the hospital capacity. Has that been able to extend it in, in any way at all? Well, we, we had the benefit uh, over the last couple of years of really investing in our capital programme. So that included uplifting uh, some of the uh, facilities on some of our wards, but also in some cases, uh, building uh, a couple of new wards uh, in preparation uh, for, for the winter, but also in preparation uh, for the patient profile that we see at various points in the year. Uh, so this year we, we opened uh, an additional ward space, uh, not, not fully, but we were able to open it to increase our bed capacity uh, by around 15 beds uh, in the last couple of weeks. So Have you ever seen it this busy for so long? Yeah, I mean, no doubt it's, it's been sustained, hasn't it, for, for the last year or so. We saw that sort of slight uh, relief over, over the late summer period, that sort of uh, July, August period, where we certainly saw uh, admissions uh, come down when we compared to April, May and June. But, but as I said, since September, October, uh, we've, been, we've seen a, a fairly sustained uh, position with regard to admission profile. Um, and it hasn't, hasn't materially changed uh, over, even over the last few weeks. We, we've had a few days uh, in the last sort of 10 or fewer admissions, and I'm hopeful that's the beginning of a, of a downward trend. But of course, we know um, that with the, with the national measures, we're hoping 
that we start to see a similar picture uh, of the positive impact of lockdown. And researchers at East Kent Hospitals Trust are investigating whether a popular herbal remedy could be an effective treatment against COVID-19. The team are trialling the use of sambucal black elderberry liquid in patients who have the virus. Previous studies have found it could help fight flu. It's already available in places like Boots or Holland and Barrett. Kent Online News. British gas workers have been protesting in Medway as hundreds go on strike in a row over paying conditions. Members of the GMB union are angry about new terms being proposed by the company, which they say would see them lose thousands of pounds a year. And they reckon that would impact their families and well-being. They're threatening to tear up our terms and conditions and replace them with much worse conditions that will affect our working life, our family life. And with no negotiations offered from the company other than accept these terms and conditions or be fired. Well, Centrica, which owns British Gas, say they're operating in an incredibly competitive market and British Gas has lost too many jobs and too many customers over recent years. They say they can't continue like this and need to take action to modernise and refocus the company. They say the pay for engineers will remain the highest in the sector, but they need to get productivity back to where it used to be. And for some, they need to increase the working week from 37 to 40 hours. Storm Christoph is to blame for all the wind and rain in Kent today. There is a yellow weather warning in force for more strong winds, particularly along the Kent coast until the early hours of tomorrow. There's also some concerns about flooding in parts of the county as the rain we've had is falling onto already saturated ground Alerts are in force on the Upper River Stour and Upper River Medway. Meantime, it's feared more homes are at risk on part of Sheppey, where there was a massive landslip last year. You might remember seeing pictures of a house that fell off the cliff at East Church. Well, now a neighbour says he's lost at least 18 feet of his garden and fears for his property. Swale Borough Council say tests need to be done to see if work to shore up the cliff will be possible. They've advised residents to employ specialist consultants. A Kent MP is calling for an urgent review of smart motorways after a coroner ruled they present an ongoing risk of future deaths. At an inquest into the deaths of two men in a crash on the M1, the coroner said the lack of hard shoulder was a contributing factor. Well, Chatham and Aylesford's Tracy Crouch says the safety of all lane running motorways needs to be looked at, including on the M20 near Maidstone, which was converted last year. A Canterbury woman who stole from her elderly grandmother-in-law to fund a gambling habit has avoided going to prison. Lucy Deal from Station Road in Addisham used her victim's bank card eight times to take £2,000. The 37-year-old has been given a nine-month suspended sentence and told to do 25 days of rehabilitation. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. A Margate woman has been banned from keeping animals for 10 years after her dog was found crawling with more than 400 live fleas. The RSPCA discovered Jack Russell Terrier Sammy was being kept in a small crate with no water or bedding at Jacqueline Blackmore's home in Meargate. She's admitted causing unnecessary suffering and he's been rehomed following vet treatment. 
Two years after it closed, it's been confirmed a Canterbury pub could be turned into housing. The mill on Sturry Road shut in 2019 after police ordered that door security be employed every night following a rise in crime. It was sold last autumn and the new owners want to convert the property into two flats. Now, you might have noticed a pretty big event happening in America today. It is, of course, the inauguration of Joe Biden as president. And while you might not be thinking it's got much to do with Kent, there is actually a rather interesting link between our county and the White House and it's all to do with a desk in the Oval Office that the President sits at and joining me on the podcast to chat about it is Medway's Matt LeClaire. Matt you've been writing about this, um, can you tell us a bit more about this desk then? It was built in Chatham, I suppose that's the uh, that's the main thing that, that links us to uh, links us to the inauguration today and, and the White House. The desk was built out of oak, oak timbers that came from a Royal Navy ship called HMS Resolute, hence the name of the Resolute Desk. Um, it was uh, gifted to the American president in 1880, Rutherford B. Hayes, um, as, a, as a sort of token of um, sort of lasting peace and friendship and is, is sort of considered by many that it's sort of that, that first token of the, the special relationship that, that, that sort of synonymous with the UK and, and America today still. And we probably have unknowingly seen pictures of this desk before, haven't we? Because it's in some quite famous or quite iconic photos that have been taken over the years. Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's been in the um well it's been in the in the in the Oval Office consistently now, um all through since since nineteen ninety three when Bill Clinton brought it back in. Um but it's been used by every American president since um eighteen eighty, all bar three. Um the only time it in in the last sort of last sort of fifty, sixty years that it hasn't been in there was when it was uh, on tour after JFK was assassinated, and yeah, JFK is is one of the topics of one of the most famous uh, pictures, um, with his uh, his younger son playing under under his uh, under his feet in the in the knee hole, um, as 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 his father, the president at the time, was reviewing some papers. Um, so yeah, it's it's some very very famous photos and. There's quite a, quite a lot of pictures of, of Barack Obama, um, of course, who uh, Joe Biden served as vice president for. Um, Mr. Obama was uh, often seen with his feet up on the desk. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's had, a, had a long and uh, a long life and it looks like it looks like it will continue for, for many more years to come. Indeed. I mean, we don't know yet if um, Joe Biden will use that desk in the Oval Office. I should think there's every every chance he will, because it's quite a hefty piece of furniture if he wants a replacement put in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's more than half a ton. It weighs five hundred and ninety kilos. So yeah, it's, uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Mr. Biden's going to be uh, moving that in a hurry. No. <laughs> and Richard Holdsworth is from Chatham's historic dockyard. I mean, it's a very ornate desk, and it's a desk with a lot of history attached to it, um, and it served. As I say, probably 23 out of the 26 presidents that were able to use it in different categories. It's not always been in the Oval Office because the Oval Office itself is a 20th century construction. But uh, it is amazing to think how many presidents have sat behind it. The thing that I sort of think sort of uh, just sort of grounds me a bit on this is that actually American presidents made decisions at that desk through two world wars. And indeed, President Kennedy almost certainly was making decisions at that desk during the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
Um, you know, major worldwide events have taken place with key decisions and visits to uh, presidents being made in either the president's study or the Oval Office, depending on the time that it took place, that have had world shattering consequences. Plans have been put forward for a water sports centre in Sandwich. At Kent Online today, you can see CGI images of what the aquapark could look like with a giant inflatable and wakeboarding facility. If given the go-ahead, it will be built off Ash Road and is going to be discussed by planners next week. Also on the website today, you can see pictures of a rare green duck that's been spotted in Kent. Several people say they've seen it on the River Stour in Canterbury. It's thought to be a Cayuga duck, which may have been released into the wild by an owner. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.